Hello and welcome to the United Federation of Reddit. I'm Big J76. And I'm Smash. This podcast is for discussion of news and events centered around Star Trek communities on Reddit. You can find links to these subreddits on the sidebar of r slash United Federation. That's reddit.com slash r slash United Federation. Smash, what do we have on the agenda for today? Today, we're going to be talking about reddit.com slash r slash Star Trek Adventures and ultimately the game itself. And we've got with us a couple of users and uh, players of the game. One of them is uh, Reddit user Double Blind Study. Uh, we'll call him ELH, uh, as we have, uh, uh, he's a moderator of Star Trek Adventures. We also have a returning guest, Thriven, who was with us on our Trek RP episode, and uh, got us introduced some to the Star Trek Adventures side of the role-playing, and uh, now that is our focus today. First, let's hear from, from you, ELH. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, what you do, and what is your role in Star Trek Adventures? Certainly. So this is going to sound a little bit like flexing, so my apologies, but this is kind of how I always introduce myself. So hi, uh, I'm ELH, Double Blind Study, Mike, whatever you call me, I'll respond to it. Um, I have been a dungeon master, a game master since, uh, what is that? That would have been April 2013. So right after um, I came out of college, I started doing uh, a lot of dungeon mastering. Um, I started with Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition and have worked my way through 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. I've done Shadowrun, 4th and 5th. Uh, I've done a little bit of Call of Cthulhu. I've done um, some, you know, lesser-known systems, uh, some one-shot systems. Uh, but where this discussion really takes us is around September of 2017, uh, I really started to be major into the Star Trek Adventures role-playing, uh, sort of, excuse me, the role-playing scene. Um, as of yesterday, um, actually farther back than that, um, my campaigns have been going steadily since 2017. I run a grand total of four different Star Trek Adventure streams. Uh, one is the Amalthea game, used to be the Ophion game. Uh, one is the Avenger game, used to be the Arcadia game. And then there's a Kagi, and then one which is currently in the works. So on top of all that, uh, I'm also the, well, now solely, well, I'm the major mod of Star Trek Adventures, the subreddit. Um, I've been in contact with Modifius, and needless to say, I'm super big into the Star Trek Adventures role-playing scene. Uh, usually, if there's something going on, I know about it. So, again, sorry if that sounds like a flex, but that's me in a nutshell. Uh, oh, the other question. So, uh, if it matters, I am out of the East Coast of the U.S., uh, more specifically Virginia. And yeah, I think that's that's everything. I think, and that's pretty good. That was that was a great intro there. I like the flex. Any any flexing you need to do, you you go right ahead and and do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. It's really great to you know get to meet you and hopefully get to learn more about Star Trek Adventures. I've always had an interest in you know D and D in general, and what better way to talk about it with Star Trek? Indeed. And it's it's one of those things where, uh, I guess we could start there, it's one of those things where, uh, at least in my experience, most of the people who get into the tabletop role-playing scene, uh, they come in via Dungeons & Dragons, which, you know, makes sense because when, you know, somebody thinks of a tabletop role-playing game, their immediate go-to is Dungeons & Dragons. Um, so, you know, not to knock on Dungeons & Dragons, but 
Star Trek Adventures requires a different sort of mindset than your stereotypical D&D party. Um, I don't know how much you want me to go into detail about that because I can go on for hours about that. Well, I definitely, I would like yeah. to know a little bit about that, actually. What would be, like, your three key differences? Okay, so I think the major one uh, that comes to mind immediately is the difference between how a party works in Dungeons & Dragons and the way it works in Star Trek Adventures. With D&D, uh, your party is usually, you know, a ragtag bunch of uh, adventurers, maybe murder hobos, however you want to flavor it. Um, they're disparate people that come together for a common goal, and, you know, how they interact with one another is really dependent on both the role player and the character. With Star Trek Adventures, there's a lot more structure to how the party comes together. It's, for the most part, it's assumed that you are a Starfleet officer or a Starfleet enlisted, so you're already dealing with a command hierarchy. And for some people, that's hard. For some people, they really sort of go towards it. They sort of gravitate towards it. Um, and part of that hierarchy process is everybody usually has a specified rank and a specified role. So, for example, uh, somebody's playing the captain, and everybody has to refer to them as Captain So-and-so or Sir. And you don't really get that in a D&D &D game. Uh, you know, you usually just refer to each other by name. You don't really say, hey, you, uh, Captain So-and-so, I need you to do X. Or the captain says, uh, I need you to do X, Y, Z. Um, and sort of piggyback onto that sort of point, too, is that... A lot of what goes on uh, in a typical session of Star Trek Adventures is driven by the players. Now, that's not to say it's not driven by the players in Dungeons & Dragons, but let's use a, a very simple example. Um, the party has uh, come across a civilization for the first time, and something's gone wrong with first contact. Uh, let's, okay. say, uh, let's say a satellite, a, a old Earth satellite, has crashed on this planet, and they need to, to deal with it. I feel like I'm ripping off a Voyager episode, but let's run with it. Um, <laughs> so the way it works is the captain has to make a call. Uh, how are we going to proceed? Because the captain is lord and master of their ship. And it's not like D&D &D where, you know, you kind of come to a consensus as a party what to do. It's usually the captain's job to be not only the party face, but the party leader and define how things get done who's involved in what scenes, things of that nature. So there's a lot more onus on the captain and sort of command-ranking individuals. But again, if you have players that are used to that command structure, some like really gravitate towards it, and it turns out to be a good thing where you, you can throw uh, sort of setting or session-defining sort of scenarios at players, and they'll go through the whole rank and file, and it'll feel like a Star Trek episode where they'll do everything from... Um, senior staff meetings to big soliloquies and monologues about how the Federation is great and how the Federation would respond to this event. Mm -hmm. um, so that's point two. Point three um, is Dungeons and Dragons, again, not to knock on it, is a very rigid system. And by that, I mean, you usually have, um, I believe it's six, six characteristics. Yep, six. And a maybe about 10 to 15 skills. It's been a while since I've actually looked at D&D 5th Ed. Um, but the point being is that you're usually good at one or two things, and then you really don't want to roll for other things. Like, so for example, if you're the Barbarian, you don't really want to ever roll a social roll because you're horrible at it. With Star Trek right. Adventures, 
it's different. Um, sure, you still have what are called quote-unquote dump stats, but you're still motivated to try at certain things. It's it's almost like you're, how do I want to say this? It's more a narrative system than a crunch system. And, you know, you can still do narrative with Dungeons & Dragons, but most of your tasks, most of your rolling, are deliberately uh, sort of hinging on how well you're role-playing or how well you're able to convey what you want to do to the GM. And to me, I think those, those would be the top three. But again, I can I can go into, you know, hours about this sort of thing. So please feel free to cut me off at any point. Well, and we do like hearing about this, and we're going to dive into it even more. Mm -hmm. But for anyone who didn't listen to our Trek RP episode, and shame if you did not, uh, we we w want to take a little bit of time hear about Thriven again, uh, who's who's come back again for the, the second time. So before we deep dive into it, don't want to forget about Thriven. Hey, Thriven, tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone who's uh, hasn't tuned in for that that Trek RP episode. Um, I started playing RPGs. Uh, well, to be honest, I played them when I was a kid. Um but there was probably about a 20-year hiatus until um, recently, about two and a half years ago. Um, I started GMing uh, the uh, FFG version of uh, basically Star Wars Edge of the Empire. And uh, a friend of mine really wanted to play uh, the new Modifius Star Trek uh, pen and paper game. And I really wasn't into Star Trek. I had, you know, watched the movies growing up and um, watched a lot of TNG, but I was just, I was like, oh yeah, Star Wars is my thing. And then and I was like, okay, well, I want to get immersed in the world. So I started watching the show and I got sucked into it. I've watched every single episode of Star Trek since I think, you know, starting as of March of last year. So over a course of a year, I watched every single series. And um, I've hosted a couple games of my own and uh, played in some. And I just, I think it's a great system. Um, I won't say I, I flex. I'm more like, I, I like sucking your, in your gut. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about as close as I can get to flexing. Um, my GMing experience is... Um, I'd say um, minimal to intermediate, but um, I always tend to do a lot more visual stuff and I'll, I'll bring, I'll be the one with the, the PowerPoint presentation and I'll have all everything out. Um, so my, my style is a little bit more unorthodox, but um, yeah, that's generally, um, I really all started doing it because I wanted to play, play this with my, my kids when they get old enough and i was like well i you know i don't want to be starting this brand new when they're here i want to have this like great immersive world that they can join in on so and there's an amber alert on my phone so hopefully that's not my child <sighs> um <laughs> of course find your one kids thing, find your one wife. thing that could come through on my phone when it's on silent so um yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Me's just sucking it all in. So, and Smash, tell us what you just found about uh, Star Trek Adventures, the subreddit, and Thriven. So, Thriven, I know you say that you just suck it in, you know, trying to you know macho it up a little bit, but you actually have a top post on our Star Trek adventure. I'm pulling it up right here, and what's even better about it is it's a Star Trek GIF. So it says, so I'm pulling up the top post. 
Uh. And your post is, when you find your players aren't very original with their Star Trek Adventures character. And it's that Voyager episode where they had um, the... Where they had like those it was scam the, the fake ones. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the scammers. <laughs> so it's just so funny. I think it fits perfectly. Oh yeah. You, you get those players and they're doing their character creation and they're like, I'm like, how do you want to create their character your character? And like, I want his name to be I, I want him to be Spock. I'm like, okay, well we'll pick Vulcan and you can be a science officer. And they're like, Well, I want the name Spock, and you're like, Okay, you can't go with Spock. And the first thing is like Slock. <laughs> Truck <laughs> sounds like something I would do. It's just funny. It's a good post. Ah, oh, thank now, you. Now, do you, do you guys find that that is kind of the first thing that a new a new user is going to do? They're going to come in and want to be an already existing, established, well known character. And when you tell them, well, you can't be Captain Kirk, and then they say, okay, well, how about? Kirk with a U instead of an I, that's going to be me. Um, well, there's, there's, I should probably go into a little bit about how my games work. And this again is going to sound like a flex, which I apologize for. Um, the way I handle my games is because as a GM, I have found that uh, because I primarily do online GMing, um, that there is sort of a, an attrition rate with online GMing where you're always going to have flakes. You're always going to have people that, uh, maybe don't mesh well with the game. So um, what I've done uh, ever since 2013 is I basically, for all my players, I have them go through a very simple application process, uh, you know, basically outlining, you know, what's your name? How do I get in contact with you? Uh, what is your experience with the system? And then I go into questions and they're mostly optional, but they're questions like, um, you know, what kind of character do you want to play? Uh, what is a backstory, a very brief backstory of your character? And I can only really think of a few examples where I've gotten applications where people have been like, I want to play Kirk or I want to play Janeway. And I know, I would say that for someone in a more standard setting, like if you go to your local gamer store or like me, you go to Gen Con and you want to play, you know, an actual game there, um, it's definitely different. Um, but what I'll say to that is, you definitely want to capitalize on the fact that they know certain characters because that's usually what they're going to base it on no matter what you tell them they can name themselves. So even if you say, okay, you can't be Kirk or you can't be Kirk with a U, um, you're, they're still going to base their character on Kirk himself. So you basically want to steer them into, all right, what, what, what makes your character different from Kirk? What makes your character uh, respond different ways than Kirk kind of a thing? Yeah, one of the big things with not picking a um, canon character is because I've actually played in a Star Trek uh, Adventures game um, by post, which was they were like, here, you're you're playing Odo. And I think I was like in season four of DS9 at the time. And I'm like, I, I don't think I should play with you guys because I'm, you know, I haven't even finished DS9. And they're like, no, 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 it's, it's fine. And so I'm trying to go through this dialogue and they're like, Odo wouldn't say that. And I'm like, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> don't, you know, when you, when you start picking your character and aligning them so closely to uh, a canon character, 
you have people starting start telling you like listen you know spock wouldn't do that if you're going to try to be like spock he wouldn't do that if you make something original it just gives you so much freedom to kind of you know do whatever you need to do you know push someone out a window you know it's just it gives you that <laughs> freedom with the character so and i think that is that's probably one of the things that that we're going to find is when you're when you're doing this you're going to be with different levels of uh, i guess of people in their role playing in regards to casual or or more serious and that they may tell you things like that like odo wouldn't say that well i'm in season 4 of ds9 how would i know that uh you know, and I, I, so do you, do you find that more often than not, you, you find, uh, you find gamers, these, these role-playing gamers that are more serious uh, than, than casual about this thing? Let's see. I would definitely qualify the games I run as definitely more on the serious side. Um, but sort of a, almost a segue or a tangent here. Um, something that I've noticed uh, causes exactly the same symptom of, hey, I don't think this character would work this way. Um, a lot of that comes from GMs, and this is going to sound horrible, but a lot of it comes from GMs who basically want to name drop a character and have them say something because it has, quote unquote, more weight than some random admiral saying it. Um, I think a good example, actually, is, let's say, John Delancey's Q. Uh, if Q shows up in your game, it's supposed to be for a very good reason, because Q showing up is usually a sign that something big is going on, or maybe Q's just having uh, giggles. But the point being is that it's very hard to capture a canon character's likeness, and I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's one of those things where you sort of have to temper expectations both as the game master and the player. Uh, so, for example, I can do a good Garrick, uh, or at least I've been told I can do a good Garrick, but I would never touch a Janeway or I would never touch a Kirk because I can't personally do it, and that's okay. Um, but it, it sort of, I think a lot of it starts when you get to the, hey, a character wouldn't do that. Again, a lot of that comes back to the tempering expectations, and that is something that you need to do across any role-playing game. Uh, and it's... It's good to have both a conversation when you start off, uh, you know, hey, what can I expect from this game? What can I expect of you? That sort of thing. Uh, but it's also good to do that regularly so that everybody is still on the same page. And I know that's a tangent, but I did want to throw that in there. So um, going back to what ELH was saying, when you were, you were going with the idea or at least the narrative of um, landing on a planet saying going after a... Um, particular uh space shuttle that you know say a u.s spatial or federation space shuttle um that had landed on a planet um i want to pick up where you left off because um you, you were talking about going through the chains of command mm -hmm. and the um you know i've always noticed that you know when i put my biggest trekkie in the captain's chair it makes everything kind of move really easily as opposed to I have a lot of my, my big Trekkies always want to play like these side characters. And I'm like, if you know the most about the Trek universe, usually I put you in the captain's chair and that helps facilitate uh, usually orders and all that. Um, I think you were going in that direction earlier. 
yeah, that was, that was, you know, again, I go off on tangents all the time, so please feel free to redirect me. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's a good point to bring up because a captain, uh, it, let's, let's go back to Dungeons and Dragons, for example. So D and D, you know, you have a party face, you have someone that, you know, kind of leads the group. The captain in Star Trek Adventures is, I would say, a hyper-focused version of that, where if you have a good captain, they can literally carry a quote-unquote episode uh, from start to finish. And you as the GM, you maybe say a few things, but for the most part, the captain will lead the, the, you know, the role play of the other players, uh, where they go with it, and it's a good feeling as a game master to have your players uh, more or less role play amongst themselves with minimal input. Whereas if you have a, someone who's not confident as a captain, it gets a little bit messy where, you know, you're kind of trying to pull teeth, as it were, to, to get the players to go certain places. Um, so really it comes down to, I think, finding either a good captain or finding someone that is at least semi-comfortable in a command role. Because in my experience, you can, of course, NPC those roles but it has less weight, if that makes any sense. So if you're the game master and you're the captain, it doesn't have as much weight as a player captain would, if that makes any sense. It makes sense to me, and I've never played. <laughs> Good. One of the things that I think is one of the biggest features of this game is the um, the stat and discipline. Or it's not stat, it's a attribute. attribute. Yep. Yeah, the... The, the the coolest thing I think about this uh, system, as opposed to, let's say, like D&D, &D, um, where you have, you know, strength, and that basically makes you a very strong barbarian. And as ELH was saying earlier, you feel less prone to make like a wisdom check or an intelligence check against something like Arcana to try to see if you know something about, about a spell. You just immediately hand that off to somebody else. The attribute system goes upon uh this combo of when you're attempting to perform a task you have uh six attributes right uh control daring fitness insight yep. reason presence and then for disciplines you have like command which you know giving orders con flying uh engineering security which is security could be anything from you know hacking to fighting um and then you have science and medicine and there are certain things where you're combining them like maybe you know when firing a phaser like over a certain distance you know your security would be your discipline because you're um obviously attacking a target and uh you're using uh control to make a controlled shot but um if you're like in combat and you're fighting someone like much larger than you and you're doing something just basically out brawling with them instead of using control and security which would be um where you're like you know trying to purposely like hit them on the head or hit them in a certain spot or do something that requires like finesse you're basically using daring you're you're fighting another opponent and you're doing something daring so while somebody may not always have to fight because they're they're the strong one um you're combining these various different attributes with disciplines at certain times where let's say you're flying a ship and you know you need to make a controlled movement through an area you might not be very good at that but you're like james t kirk and you might not be good at that really fine flying 
but at the last minute you need to make some daring move and you use daring plus con and your daring is much higher than your actual control is and you actually pull yourself out of it you kind of put yourself in a bad situation and then you pull it out there this system like aligns with the characteristics i think of the characters on the show so well um having high daring characters become super daring um and they become very lucky and they pull themselves out of certain situations um i'd say the same thing with uh reason and insight are two uh great attributes that go across multiple disciplines so um that to me i think is one of the things that sets it apart from D and even like star wars and all the other systems out there well the other thing uh, and we'll, I, I know smash you had something so if you don't mind we'll get to you in a second um so the one thing about uh star trek adventures which i don't know if you've covered before and if you have apologies um but something i really like about the star trek adventures role-playing system is it has what is basically called momentum and threat and these are meta resources uh, that are used by players in the case of momentum or by game masters in the case of threat. And during play, you accrue both threat and momentum and you can play them for certain effects. So for example, uh, using the flying a shuttle uh, in horrendous situation, um, let's say for example, you're not the, the best pilot in the world, your daring is maybe a nine, your con is maybe a two, so you're trying to roll under an 11 and your game master is sadistic like me and has set the difficulty to a three or a four. What you can do is you can use the meta resource of momentum or the meta resource of threat and you can buy additional dice. So it sort of incentivizes uh, sort of this meta resource management while at the same time en enabling characters who might not have the best security score, might not have the best uh, con score. It enables them to uh, sort of go beyond their limits, if that makes any sense. It does. You know, I'm so sorry. I may be a little quiet here, but I'm just trying to take it all in. As someone who's never played, you guys are saying all these words, and I and I know the words that you guys are saying. I'm just trying to piece it all together here. So it sounds like what kind of sets it apart from D&D is that there's just a lot more stuff that you can do with it to make it more of a story as opposed to um you know you have your stats and then you know you're pretty much set with that or depending on your dm versus it sounds a little bit more flexible would yeah, you say i i would definitely say that um sort of a as a housekeeping thing so you know six attributes six disciplines that's 36 different combinations and Sure, you barely ever roll a fitness plus medicine, but oh boy, when you do. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot more emphasis on narrative than there is in Dungeons and Dragons, where, for example, so let me let me back up a little bit. So usually the way a session goes is you let players have their role playing time, you let them do whatever they want to as characters, sort of like a a B plot of you, if you will, of a normal episode. And then you introduce the A-plot, or the overarching adventure of what's going on. And throughout both the B-plot and the A-plot, you give them chances to build up that meta-currency to pass simple roles, um, because it builds up the narrative. It lets them feel like they're engaged with the world. And then towards the middle and the end of the adventure, you obviously ramp up the difficulties, make things sort of climax naturally. 
And then towards the end, you give them more role-playing time. And I found that what that does is it not only lets people get attached to characters and feel like they're quote unquote real, um, but it also doesn't overload the players, what can happen in Dungeons and Dragons, where you know, you're just rolling to roll. There's not really an attachment to what's going on. And right. I think think that's all I want to say so far because again I'll go into a, a long rant if you let me I definitely think it's uh, a more social mm -hmm. game um, and a, a couple other RPGs are like that as well um, there's many Dungeons and uh, Dragons players they just they sit down at the table and they say alright set me up some baddies and I just want to club some heads you know and that's what they do and that's how they spend you know their Friday Saturday nights and they love the loot tables um, being that Star Trek Adventures really has no loot you'd say I mean there are artifacts and stuff that a GM could give their players um, but you're in the Federation you can pretty much materialize anything you want anytime um, you can equip your character pretty much with anything that your away mission leader or captain will allow you to put on your mm -hmm. person. Um, everything has a, basically, if you're wearing like weapons and stuff, it has like an escalation factor, which the GM can use, you know, with you. It's like, oh, you're going to a peaceful, you know, a peace treaty and you're all wearing, you know, type three phasers. You know, it's like, obviously this is going to work negatively against you. So you kind of have to, make sure you you know you leave the ship with whatever you absolutely need without you know making that you know seem like a threat um so there's real no like loot tables so generally the the players are more interested in the social aspect of the game the diplomacy part of it trying to figure out you know the murder mystery that may have happened on a ship so um i that to me definitely plays into my strengths and i play with my wife occasionally and she loves the social side of the game um anytime i put anything in front of her she's just like i don't want i don't really want to kill it <laughs> don't make me have to do that you know like it's to, and i i kind of agree when i sit down at the table and i have to do like uh damage against somebody i just I, it's a slog to me personally so uh, I think Star Trek Adventures really plays into that type of gameplay really mm. well. And what I'll say on that actually is a good point, is that combat in Star Trek Adventures is drastically different uh, than you would find in, say, Dungeons & Dragons. Um, for example, uh, one of the major features that I like about the system is whether or not you're doing quote-unquote ground combat or if you're doing starship combat. The magic number is to do five or more damage in a single attack. And if you do you either take someone completely out of the fight, not dead, just injured. You either take someone completely out of the fight, or in the case of starships, you actually start causing uh, breaches to systems like the hull or engineering um, and stuff like that. And the system itself motivates combat being very quick, uh, very sort of comprehensive to a point, and otherwise makes it enjoyable where, again, I feel like I'm knocking on D&D a lot today, um, where in Dungeons and Dragons, you roll dice, you sit there, you're waiting for your turn, and, you know, it's kind of a dice roll of attrition sort of thing, where, you know, is the dragon dead yet? Nope, he'll be dead in two rounds. Well, all right, here's my attack, and uh, all right, wait, right. wait until it's my turn again. Yeah, um, I think uh, with the the whole, char uh, not character creation, the 
the attribute and discipline combo. What really like captured me with that initially was um, one, the uh, Modifius uh, book is gorgeous. The actual, get, if you get a printed copy, um, probably one of the uh, nicest looking books I've had. It's really wordy. I mean, if you, you could sit there and spend days just reading all the content that they threw an additional in that book. Um, and I think there is a certain page where it basically lays out all of the, um, the steps in which you go through the character creation. And then there is basically a step one, choose your race, um, choose your name, choose your traits, and then step two. And while you follow along with that, they give you, you know, one to 20 options or one to six options. You can actually right then roll your character if you wanted to play something completely random. And it's a great way too, if you're a GM and you're looking to create characters that will be on your ship as additional side characters you can just basically roll out a bunch of um, uh, characters and have backstories and everything built for them right out of the book. And it's, what would you say about that ELH in comparison to your other uh, games that you've um, played? I would say the only real thing that comes close that I can think of off the top of my head is either Call of Cthulhu because it motivates you to pick a certain uh, occupation, uh, it motivates you to pick certain skills, and it sort of builds that backstory as you just alluded to. Um, also, it's similar to the 40K systems where you again want to um, sort of pick a background, pick sort of these adventure seeds or these character seeds. Um, but I found that with Star Trek Adventures, it might just be the player base, because honestly, uh, every single um, every single role-playing game has its own sort of scene, as it were. And with Star Trek, you usually get people who are coming in with somewhat of a backstory in mind, and the system accommodates that tremendously well. Here's here's something that I uh, that I wanted to uh, to ask about to kind of bring it back into the uh, the reddit part of it because on reddit we love our drama mm. and th that that is i think one of the one of the things that uh, for for a very uh, s uh, social based media site uh it it's not it's not free of some of these some of these things and uh i was looking at your at your subreddit and, and this was a an interesting topic that that came up but can you tell me about the Tenth Fleet and why is there a ban on that fleet? Sure. Um, so some disclaimer here. Uh, obviously, this is something I'm very passionate about. So if I come across as hyperactive or maybe a little bit too passionate, that's why. Um, but let's start <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so the Tenth Fleet was started sometime in 2017, I believe. I honestly don't know their full history. Uh, so the 10th fleet was founded on the principle of, okay, we will take anyone, uh, you know, we just want to get people together and playing, which, you know, good goal. Uh, you know, some people don't like applications. They just want to sit down and play and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, 
I came into the 10th fleet when one of my Sundays opened up and I wanted to play in a game of my own because, you know, I run so many games during the week that, you know, I want to play every once in a while. Um, so I joined up the 10th fleet and I'm in a game called the Kismet and uh, the founder of the 10th fleet is the GM. And, you know, it's a good game for what it is. Uh, uh, long story short, something happens on the Kismet. And sort of to peel back the curtain a little bit, what happened was a character died in a very unceremonious way that was not satisfying for any stretch of the imagination. It was pretty much a rocks fall, your character dies, which nobody likes. I mean, I, I really can't think of anyone who likes that kind of a character death. And right. that sort of... Oh, go ahead. I was just saying right. I mean, I agree with that. Ah, gotcha. Um... But that whole event sort of sparked a change, I think, in the 10th Fleet. So prior to that point, uh, I was actually thinking of becoming a game master for the 10th Fleet. Like, they have something like five or six game masters that run games during the week. Um, I was originally going to be a game master for the 10th, um, you know, running my own game for them, that sort of a thing. But that event exposed a lot of ugliness in the 10th Fleet. Um, a lot of clickiness, a lot of shall we say, petty childrening, where it got to the point where I literally had to pull leaders of the community, game masters, and sit down with them for hours on end to make them talk like adults to one another. Needless to say, I decided to distance myself from the community, and I pretty much dropped everything but one game on a Sunday. Now, you know, I, I did my best to stay out of the drama that you know, the 10th lead had going on because, you know, I, I'm very drama adverse. I don't like being involved in drama. Um, but where this all sort of came to a head was that I was in a Friday game with a phenomenal game master, uh, GM Josh. And what I had found out was that one of the players was deliberately leaving sessions early to go play in a game for the 10th fleet. And to me, that, that felt like a tremendous backhand, not only to the GM, GM Josh, but to, you know, all of us as players. Because to me, when you sign up for a game, you, you know, you sign up to commit and be there the entire time. You don't, you know, you don't deliberately go out and pick a new game that's going to cut your other game short. I mean, it, it feels like a major sign of disrespect. So... You know, I obviously brought that to uh, people's attention. I'm like, look, you know, this isn't cool. You know, why is he doing this sort of a thing? And that exposed even more of how clicky the 10th Fleet is and how really inset in the ways they are in dealing with people. So backing up a little bit, before the, the Friday thing uh, with this problem player, uh, I had to completely ban a person from my community uh, his name was the Wicked Producer, um, because I was not only witnessing, but, you know, sort of hearing from other people that, hey, this guy is being very misogynistic, this guy is being uh, very anti-millennial, this guy is slurring a bunch of times, and I'm like, yeah, I can see that, so let me, you know, let me talk to him. And long story short there, he's not someone you want to play with. Um but where that leads to with the Friday game is because I had banned him from my community and he was a member of the 10th Fleet, that sort of opened Pandora's box where all of a sudden the 10th Fleet was flaming me, flaming my community, 
uh, really threatening to, you know, go public with quote unquote dirt on me, which I still don't know what that's all about. But uh, long story short there, um, what happened was is the Friday game that sparked all this, the Friday game fell apart immediately because two of the players, including the problem player, were GMs for the 10th fleet. And instead of, you know, admitting, hey, yeah, I shouldn't have signed up for this game, or okay, I'm gonna, just going to drop peacefully, they not only dropped the game, but harassed GM Josh to the point where GM Josh is no longer a Star Trek Adventures Game Master. In fact, he went so far as to drop all of his Star Trek Adventures events at Gen Con in, in you know, in sort of favorite, uh, yeah, in, in order to play a different system. So understandably, I'm very mad about that. Um, you know, I don't like the fact that this has literally driven a GM out of the community. And I also don't like the fact that this sort of schism that has opened up is affecting my own games where I had to cancel two or three streamed games because of the 10th fleet being drama llamas. And it eventually got to a point, I think it was a Thursday maybe, or a Friday, where I was just like, all right, look, I've seen enough. I'm tired of the 10th fleet's racism. I'm tired of their drama llamaing. I'm just going to do something that's going to cause me grief in the, in the short term, but will work out better in the long run. I banned them from the subreddit. And that opens up a can of worms of people claiming, oh, I'm abusing my power. And oh, you're, you know, you're just, you know, being a bad moderator. When, you know, I have been exposed to the 10th Fleet's nonsense for the better part of two or three months and nothing I saw was good. Like nothing I saw was in sort of following with the tenets of the Federation or, you know, Star Trek in general. It was very much a, what is my excuse to rag on this certain group kind of a thing. And I probably have, you know, talked your ear off here, but again, long story short, I talked with Modifius about it. Uh, to my knowledge, Modifius agreed with the ban and short of someone, you know, taking my moderator position away from me on the subreddit, uh, the 10th fleet will remain banned until possibly the end of time. I really like how you guys just put your foot down and stuck up for... That's what you got to do. Putting up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's great. I think it's fantastic. And we're saying, no, we don't want to have any of these like horrible, like homophobic, you know, racist kind of attributes inside of our games. I think that's really nice. And why why is that? that? That's that's why we can't have any. That's why we can't have nice things. Exactly. Now, so I I, I guess I I don't want to necessarily open a, a can of worms here, but mm-hmm. do you find that ju- just with being on a uh, on a site like this and uh, both your, yourself and, and Thriven uh, can can fill us in on that? Do you find that because of the uh, the anonymity of of all of it uh, with with Reddit with social media that there do you find yourself having to fight a lot of this this toxicity in the game because you're kind of dealing with a couple different things. One, it's Star Trek, and th- I th- I do believe that there are times where Star Trek fans you're not a fan unless you hate it, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that that in of itself i i just see from different subreddits that i've that i've visited uh there there's certainly good discussion there are people that are 
not um, what's the word I'm I'm looking for, not not being toxic, but it's it, it certainly brings out some of the some of the worst in, in some of the people, and I think that being anonymous, being behind that computer, behind that keyboard, allows you to do and say things that you probably would not do or say if you were talking to someone in person. Yeah, I would uh, I would definitely agree with that. And it, again, sort of speaks to why I do applications in the first place is because, you know, people don't have that in real life accountability for online communities or online gaming where they can literally drop in and out of a game or in and out of conversation at will. And that sort of, it cultivates a certain environment. Um, now, luckily, we haven't had too much of that on the 10th fleet, or not on the 10th fleet, on the subreddit. Um, you know, for the most part, it's a very easy subreddit to manage. Um, you know, I maybe have to delete a post or spam something maybe twice a month. It's very simple. Um, a lot of the drama, quote unquote, comes from Discord channels that are set up. And we don't actually link to any Discord channels uh, on the subreddit. We say that there are, there, you know, there's obviously some, some out there, but we don't specifically link to any. Um, and I would say most of the drama that you're referencing comes from those Discord channels rather than the subreddit itself. Mm, I was wondering where this communication was happening um, that you were speaking about earlier, like on the 10th lead or character developments. You, get, you feel like a lot of that happens on Discord? Yeah, I would say, uh, and this is more a critique on, you know, society in general. So apologies if I go a little bit uh, sophistic here, but um, a lot of the quote unquote movement and a lot of the shakers and bakers, I think is the phrase, um, a lot of that happens on Discord these days, especially for uh, role-playing communities. Uh, and, you know, obviously you can't be in every Discord conversation at the same time because... Yeah, there's text, but there's also voice, and there's so many channels. I mean, I'm in, what, 50 channels of Discord? I can't keep track of it all. Um, but yeah, it it really feels like we, we're sort of going backwards, where I, obviously, I'm probably dating myself here, but um, if anyone remembers AOL chat rooms, how open and how uh, oh, interesting yes. those were. Yeah, I, I remember those. Yeah. I, I feel like we're actually moving towards a more insular or a more contained sort of, I don't want to call it a hug box society because hug, hug box feels like the wrong term, but definitely more insulated where you stick around with people who have the same opinions. Uh, what's there's, there's a term for it, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. And Thank you. A circle jerk. Yes, that too. <laughs> the group thing. The way I deal with all this is I just take small clips of Star Trek. I remove all the sound and then I recapture them and post them on another <laughs> subreddit with all my angst and, and hatred. Um, with uh, Star Trek, I only started watching Star Trek in the last year and a half. And yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what Big J said about uh, Star Trek fans, man. Like you aren't a fan until you hate it. And, uh, and it, I hate to say it, but like, as much as I disagree with the Star Trek community, I also agree with them simultaneously. Um, I've also noticed that I've completed all of Star Trek and you hit a certain point and you're like, I, you want to rewatch the entire mm -hmm. thing, 
but you're just kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want to rewatch every single episode. And and I, I can see why a lot of people who kind of like once they finish Star Trek, you know, all the series and movies, they, they started over from the beginning and they want it to be good. So, um, yeah, in that process or that that feeling that they want to be able to rewatch this and re-experience it. Um, a lot of hatred does come out there and we definitely see it, um, on, on Reddit for sure. I, I'd like to say my experience and like the, there's another Star Trek adventures discord that I was a part of. I think it's like the Starfleet command. Uh, I think I know the one um, you're talking of. Yes. Yeah. I, all those guys have been absolutely great. Like, um, I had to say discord's definitely been more of a, it is what it is. And, you know, some people get on there and they'll try to explain, you know, something, but there's generally seeming to be a lot less hate. Um, it, you feel, I think a little bit more on, on Reddit with the whole upvote, downvote, you know, Hey, can someone answer this for me? And they just downvote you. They don't even answer you. <laughs> and it's a shame that that happens. So, it, it really is. But that, yeah. that's how often do you see that? You, you will see someone ask a, a very honest question about any topic, whether it's about a Star Trek episode, movie, game, maybe want to come in and learn a little bit more about Star Trek adventures. And I, I, I see that you don't have, well, you don't have any rules on the sidebar, which I, I, I'm looking here and that, that's probably one of the, yeah, huh? that, that's, that's one of the, the odd things. And unless, well, I'm on, I'm on old Reddit. I'm uh, not using, yeah. you will not get me to use new Reddit until uh, a gun is pointed at my head. I'm not doing it. So uh, that's probably why I'm not seeing it. If it's not on the, uh, the old uh -huh. style sidebar, because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess you didn't know that. Because well, I, was, I was about to say, wow, you guys don't have any rules. That's pretty bold for a, for a subreddit. Well, it's, uh, it's actually interesting because, um, I make it a point to keep both the old Reddit style and the new Reddit style up to date. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think a lot of Reddit communities aren't doing. Like they're quote unquote picking a side and they're neglecting part of the community. Um, I'll look into the rules things later, but there should be rules for, you know, both on new and old. Um, but the point I want to make is, um, for example, we do flaring um, on the subreddit. Like, you know, is this, uh, is this help and advice? Is this an LFG post? Is this fan arts? You know, stuff like that. That is something that is only really possible to set up in new Reddit. And you can still do it in old Reddit, but it's a pain. Um, and it's something that, again, I feel like with people, quote unquote, picking sides between subreddits, you're missing out on a lot of the community because, you know, new people are going to see new Reddit and that's going to be their experience. But then you have uh, old folks, we'll call us old folks, um, <laughs> who, you know, we, quote unquote, got used to the old Reddit. So we, we stick to what we know. And that works to a point, but at the same time, you don't want to abandon the other part of the community because you're really just hurting your own community by not sort of um, opening yourself up and making sure that everything's updated across both. And and you're right. You you want to try to to look at all parts of the uh, of the community, and that is something that that I've done. Uh, the the main Star Trek subreddit that I'm a mod in is uh, r slash Star Trek gifts, and 
in uh, in the information that we have uh, for the the sidebar that we've got for any of the subreddit style, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We we try to think about especially the mobile users because there's a lot of mobile use, and you can spend all this time trying to make all this this information available in in there, and then it doesn't get looked at. Uh, you're you're only getting uh, you know capturing a larger part of the audience that's just looking at that top post that's in their feed of uh, subreddits that they subscribe to. And I think one of the things that is that can be difficult with this, and it may not it may not be too much of a, of an issue. I, I see you guys have uh, right now uh, one thousand seven hundred. 94 subscribers, uh, which seems to be from what I've seen in role-playing communities, a pretty decent, like that's kind of the, about what you're, about what you're seeing. And the, the thing that I think makes this difficult with this platform is when you do come looking for information, ask a question, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera, trying to, trying to get into it, is that the, the, the upvote-downvote system and, and the fact that somebody could, you know, I don't like your question, I'm going to downvote you. Or I know you, you were on this subreddit, you said something I didn't like, I'm gonna downvote you here. And you, and you just, you, you, have, you have this happening and you could get people just discouraged for any number of reasons, even something that they may not have known or been aware of or, or, or been able to control or something that you said to someone several months ago and they, and they find you and, they they follow you to, uh, you know, my downvoting is my power. That's my weapon, and I'm going to get you everywhere. And you, you realize, okay, well, so I, I guess I found this small community. I want to get into this game, and nobody likes my question. I guess I'll I guess I'll move along, which is not a unique issue that your subreddit would be would be fighting. That's something that happens. But do you do you find that you're, you're kind of free of that with, with being a, a, a smaller community or does it happen just as much as, as anywhere else? I would definitely say that uh, as a smaller community, we don't run into the problems that bigger subreddits have. Um, again, aside from a few random bad elements out, you know, not including 10th fleet people, um, we really don't have that sort of problem. Like most people are open uh, most people are willing to answer questions. They don't really call names. They're, you know, don't be an asshole kind of a thing. Um, I'm trying to think. It's, in fact, let me just go ahead and pull up the mod log. Um, yeah, most of the, uh, most of the mod uh, log is either me adding flares to people who uh, didn't add flares, or it's auto-mod basically canning any 10th fleet stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, I think we've maybe had to remove two posts in the last three months, you know, manually. So, yeah, sort of to go back to your que your question, uh, I feel like, you know, small as we are, we're, uh, we're sort of insulated from that. Um, but it also is something where we're also not getting as much uh, screen time, I guess would be the way to put it. Um, where, you know, our community is sustained by, you know, certain social media sites and we only get so much exposure, if that makes any sense. Yes, you, you're right. 
that 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 does that makes perfect sense because i have i have been a part of in in communities uh both as a user and as a moderator well, well you see it more as a moderator but uh oh no that, that's probably not an accurate statement uh but i can tell you when you start small and you you, you start growing i have I've been a part of subreddits as a moderator that can that have been anywhere from a few hundred people all the way up to a couple million. And let me just tell you that there there is kind of this 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 bell curve, this upward trend of as you grow, you you, you start bringing in and, and attracting uh, some very good people, but then you also start. Uh, you're out there more, so you 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 start kind of you you can be more noticeable to some of the passer buyers that you would probably prefer not to uh, to have around. And I I, th I think one of the things that's that's kind of funny that leads into that is looking at your another one of your posts. Uh, this one was submitted a, a couple months ago by user Pierced Monk. And uh, the title of that is How to Deal with Players Complaining the Encounters are Too Easy. And uh, again, I'm, I'm happy that this is another GIF from Star Trek because I am kind of partial to, to Star Trek GIFs for, for obvious reasons. But I'm very happy that your top two posts in your subreddit are, are GIFs. But um, do, you, do you get, is, is, that, is that kind of a thing that uh, players, and, and, and the uh, the difficulty of the encounters, uh, too easy, too difficult, not get a lot of input on that. So this is going to dive a little bit more back into the mechanics. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, Pierce Monk was actually in the Arcadia game I ran for a little bit. So if he's listening, uh, thanks again. We enjoyed Rochelle. Um, but there's sort of a, a golden area with every encounter in Star Trek Adventures. Um, for ground combat, for example, I, I mentioned earlier that the quote-unquote magic number is five or more damage in a single attack. That's actually easier to make than you think. So what happens in ground combat is you maybe have one or two rounds and, you know, you usually know who's going to win and you wrap it up pretty quickly. With starship combat, it gets a little bit more complicated and that's where I think a lot of the people who don't like crunch, that's where a lot of people have difficulty because, as you might expect, the starship combat has the biggest crunch in the system. Um, so, for example, uh, I ran a game, the Ophion game, and because I have no taste, apparently, uh, I ran a, a Prometheus-class vessel, which is the best ship I will fight you. Um, so... The Prometheus, Prometheus class... is good. It, it, oh. it, it, that's, a good sh that's a good class. I'll give you that. Okay. <laughs> good. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yes. So uh, part of the Prometheus class, obviously, is it has multi-vector assault mode. Now, it's taken me a long time to wear down Jim Johnson, who is the line editor for Star Trek Adventures, to finally actually make official rules for the Prometheus, which I think come out this August, June? whatever the next book release is. Um, but the point being is that I had to do a homebrew um, 
a homebrew multi-vector assault mode, which I might be something we want to talk about after I finish this topic, um, is the homebrew side of things. But uh, long story short, I threw everything from three uh, Dederic's class Birds of Prey. Uh, I've thrown a literal Tholian Dreadnought at the Ophion group. And every single time with that damn MVAM, uh, they came through and in tremendous fashion, you know, not to belittle their accomplishments, like they rolled tremendously well. Um, but you have to keep in mind that, it, like with anything that involves dice, it can go one way or the other very quickly. And it's really on um, the GM to keep things balanced, quote unquote, using their meta resource. Um, so, you know, it, it, there's an art to it, and it takes some time to do it. Now, the, uh, I, I think something that I, uh, that I have not brought up just yet, and this is more directed at, at Thriven, uh, is in regards to the, the actual gameplay and, and getting set up, because I'm, I'm looking at the, the sidebar of Star Trek Adventures, and there are a lot of resources there, which is, uh, which is great to have. And, I think you you made mention uh, about uh, possibly the uh, the Modifius, uh, some of those folks coming on as as moderators just to kind of make that a, a, a tighter community for uh, for the information sharing. But uh, so before the, this podcast, before the recording, is maybe about a, a week ago, Thriven sent me a uh, it was a, a document, a PDF, which uh, is like the manual. Of Star Trek Adventures, and it, just to let you know, I got through I, I think a decent portion in that 370 some page document that you that you gave me for for homework. It was very nice. It was really nice. It's it's quite it's overwhelming because of course it's such a large document and has a lot of information on there, but it does help you to kind of get through you know, like the basics understandings of it, I think. So I really appreciate you sending that to you. Yeah, if you go to the Modifius uh, website, you can actually get the um, a very condensed version of that. Um, you just have to log into their site and they'll uh, basically send you an email link with uh, a condensed version of the rule book. What I really liked about it is it seems, you know, you know, fairly, I mean, it's quite extensive how much is in there from the Star Trek universe. And even looking at our slash Star Trek adventures, um, there was a science division that just came up too. You guys had like your top post right now. Yep, the pin submitted post. By, submitted by you. Mm -hmm. um, ELH is about the science division is now available too. Are you able to kind of, what has, how, what, how has it expanded over the years and what's been your favorite, you know, kind of expansion? Gotcha. Um, so I would say that obviously we have our core book, which came out, I think, somewhere summer, early summer 2017. I honestly don't remember the, the date. Anyway, so we have the core rule book, and then we have the beta quadrant. Uh, then we have the science division, the engineering supplement, and the command supplement. And this is, you know, regular stuff from Modifius. Um, that is... As I said, I think there's another book coming out in June or July, might even be August. Um, mm -hmm. But so far, we've gotten everything from rules with playable Klingons to uh, a long list of, you know, quote-unquote non-standard 
uh, Romulan ships to Gorn to, uh, you know, how do you handle certain roles? Um, for example, like, we couldn't even be an intelligence officer until the command book dropped. And really what the supplements do is they, they're written from a perspective where uh, they don't assume you have any Trek knowledge, and they're very good about bringing you up to speed. And that's something I really like with what Modifius is doing, is they don't assume that you know anything. And that's actually a good way to bring in new people, because they can pick up any book that they like and just start reading. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. Um, Science Division sounds really interesting. Do you know what the expansion or, you know, extension that they're doing, that they're releasing soon? Yes. Uh, if I have it correct in my mind, I believe Alpha Quadrant book. Um, we don't know what specifically is in it, uh, because Jim Johnson will never tell me, because I bother him far too much. Um <laughs> But we're uh, we're hoping it's got rules for Cations, because Cations have been missing this entire time. Uh, we're hoping it has a lot of the homebrew races that uh, people have made are going to be in there. Um, but we're also hoping for new space frames, like the Prometheus class, or some of the lesser-known ships that we've seen. But again, it, it's hard to tell what'll be in the book. So it's a nice surprise. I like mm -hmm. that. All right, so is is everyone's favorite ship the Prometheus? Is is that what I'm gathering from this? I can't tell you my favorite. Is that bad? I just yes, <laughs> yes. You're you're not a you're not a Trek fan. <laughs> this is this is probably like the 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 second or third podcast in a row that that Smash has basically told me. I'm not a Trek fan. I, I don't like this stuff. I don't know what the ships are. <laughs> you know, you're killing funny. me here. I know. I know. I'm just. I'm just. I'm kidding. Smash knows a lot about Star Trek, and if if you don't have a favorite, that's that's fine. I, I, I it's tough also because uh, and my son asked me this the other day, and I, I've I've got him into Star Trek. Uh, he's a he's a huge fan. He's been uh, watching the uh, uh, the series. Uh, TNG, Deep Space Nine, I think some some Voyager. I know he's finished TNG. I believe he's he's on DS9 and he's done a spattering of Enterprise, and, and we're certainly uh, caught up on Discovery. But it's it's great to to be able to talk to uh, talk to someone about Star Trek like that because he will just and he and he can be like. We'll be talking about a TNG episode, then suddenly it's a DS9 episode, and <laughs> I, and I'm and I'm but I'm keeping up. I'm keeping up, but it's 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 great that he's just circling in around all this stuff because uh, it keeps me sharp. Right. You know, when we, yeah, when he's talking about these things, it it keeps me sharp. But he asked me the other day. Uh, he said, uh, "What's your favorite ship?" And I, I said, "Oh, you know that's." That's tough because I I was going to say the uh, the sovereign class is is really good. I like that, but I'm pretty fond of the defiant class. So and, and we we even talked about the Prometheus, which um, you know was on the uh, the Voyager episode, message in a bottle, and uh, I just I I don't know. There's some good ships. I th I think if I really had to pick. If I was a Starfleet officer, which ship would I want to serve on? If it's a a long term 
kind of thing, it would probably be it would probably be the sovereign class. I, th I think I would take that. And e even though the, the the defiant might be you know my my top three, that that is that was not designed as a long term ship. It's it's it serves a purpose. There's you know, a particular mission. It is not deep space, long term kind of thing. It's it's depart, get out there, do what you're supposed to do, come back. But if I'm going to be out there for some time, I, I think I'd like to be on that. Now he's kind of partial to the galaxy class because uh, he said they they have cooler hollow suites uh, or hollow decks. <laughs> it's hollow decks on their hollow suites on DS9, uh, which you know, okay, sure, sure, that's that's fine. But um, so then with with Star Trek Adventures, and I've, I've been reading through the the information that 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 you gave Thriven, and when you're doing this this game, whether it's in person with with people in your in your dice or if it's uh, uh, over discord is is that is there kind of like a, a a group decision or choice made as to what ship do we want to do this game on or this session um that kind of depends on the gm um and if the players are really like um, the game, the first game I played in, the guy was like, you're getting a Nova class ship. And I was like, okay, you know, like I, whatever. You know, as long as I'm playing the game, I'm usually happy. And most players are. Um, my first game that I GM'd, uh, I was like, I had this ragtag crew of all these like rookies and I had to explain how they were going to get their own ship. You know, like they wouldn't, none of them had a ton of experience um on their characters so i was like all right you guys are at ds9 and there's been a ship that's been basically abandoned by its crew because there was a radiation leak in engineering the crew barely got off of it you guys are going to go pick it up and they're like awesome don't even they're like what's the you know i'm like the designations like ncc something 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 they don't even like ask what kind of ship it is they're just flying out there to go pick up this you know heap of junk sitting outside the moon and um you know they get out there and i had a um what do you call that uh where the whole diagram of the ship MSD. they have another it's not l cars yeah, NSD. So I had that completely printed. I uh, had Vistaprint do it for like 20 bucks. Printed me like a four by six banner of the the layout of the ship. And I start rolling it out. And they suddenly start seeing it's an Olympic class ship. <laughs> and I like the Olympic class, but it's literally a starship with a big ball on the front of it. And the look on their faces as they get to the front of the ship and they just like all the color just washed out of their face. <laughs> uh, but, you know, someone had to you know explain why this huge ship was being put into their hands. And um, if you have the right setup of characters, um, or they're willing to make some like, hey, yeah, I know you want to play this young cadet. You know, I know you really want to be, you know, Presley, you know, brusher, you know, like, but, you know, we need someone that's going to fit the captain's chair and play a veteran if you guys want a ship that you guys want. Otherwise, you're going to get what I usually give you. So it's really up to the GM at that point. All right, And if I can tack on to that, um, I have found that it really does depend on the ship, what kind of adventures you can run. Um, for example, uh, if you have a big old sovereign class, you usually can handle most anything. But if you're in a little Nova, 
you try to stay away from combat encounters because uh, as much as I love the Nova, it's a scale three. And scale threes are very, very easy to blow up. Um, so I'm actually of the camp that it should always be the GM setting the ship because the players are, of course, going to have, you know, hey, I want to play this, but you sort of, again, have to set expectations of, okay, we're going to have this ship, which means we're going to have these kinds of missions, which actually, to speak to uh, Big's point, uh, I actually find that, you know, a Defiant that's, you know, stuck out there and for long-term stuff actually can lead to some very compelling story adventures and role-playing. Um, you just, again, have to sort of temper the expectation from the start of this is what we will be playing and this is why kind of a thing. Yeah, when you're constantly moving from, like, planet to planet um, or scene to scene, um, it can really, like, break up, uh, it break up in, I think, a bad way, uh, character interactions. When you're kind of stranded on a ship, like, kind of like Voyager was set in, um, you get a lot more character to character. Like, hey, by the way, you guys aren't any, anywhere close to a star base. You're still coming back this way. It's still going to take you a couple of days. What are you going to do with that time? And that's where players really get to act out and do role play. Um, otherwise, they're going from one encounter to the next encounter. So, and they don't really get to flesh out their character. They're just a science officers uh, the mm -hmm. entire time. Well, now, uh, how do you... How do you guys typically do this? Are, are, are these, do you go to uh, onto Reddit and recruit people or, or, or find users looking for the information there and then bring them to the, to the Discord? Because I'm, I'm looking at this and I, I look through the, the information. Uh, you know, you've got the dice, the, uh, uh, like the D20 dice seems to be the common one. Mm -hmm. and so I, I guess how do you how do you do this uh, if if you're not in person? How does the how does the game master run a game when you're not actually all at the table together? Right, and I'll try to be brief on this because I know we're running up against a clock here. So there is a virtual tabletop solution called Roll Twenty, and Roll Twenty handles a lot of different uh, role playing games, not just D and D, not just Star Trek Adventures. In fact, it's got support for even indie titles, quote-unquote. Um, but Roll20 basically facilitates maps. It facilitates character sheets. Uh, it facilitates a lot of things that in real life uh, actually makes running on Roll20 easier. So things like uh, effects on tokens, effects on certain characters, uh, rolling big dice pools. So uh, I use Roll20. Now, you can also use uh, the actual tabletop simulator. I know people who do that. Um, and then there's even Discord bots. If you go looking, there's Discord bots that can handle all the rolling for you. Um, but when it comes to recruit recruiting people, um, usually what I do is I post something on our Star Trek Adventures. I post something on our LFG. Uh, I start up the Roll20 game and enable the LFG on that site. Uh, I tweet about it, and then I put it in whatever Discord servers it's relevant to. Um, so it's one of the things where you want to spread a wide net, but you don't want to cast it too wide because then you're overloaded with applicant kind of a thing. I'm sure there is such a thing as too many people in well, when it comes to these games. To put it in perspective, uh, one of the last 
I did, uh, the last major application had 47 applicants. So, wow. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> that is quite the, I mean, it's good to have people to choose from and it's nice to know that there are so many people interested. That's a lot of it red is. shirts. <laughs> and, and really, you know, a lot but, of red shirts. Yeah. You're going to die today. Well, you know, um, <laughs> really what I, what, you know, kind of my goal of coming on today is I want to get people more interested in the system because the more people that, you know, touch the system, the more chance we'll have game masters, you know, get their feet wet. And that sort of is a cycle where the more game mastering, the more players leads to new players, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's a good place to start. So for any of you that are wanting to, to look into Star Trek adventures and to learn more about it from some of the things that you heard us say in this, uh, talk about in this podcast, Again, it's r slash Star Trek Adventures on reddit.com. And they have a lot of good information on the sidebar, uh, whether you're on the old version or the new version of Reddit. And if you're wanting to get in there, just ask the questions. Uh, you've, you've got a moderation team that will help you. You've got uh, the uh, Discord, Starfleet Command Discord. There, there are a lot of resources out there to, to get you started. And uh, you've got good resources like uh, the two guys that we had here today, Thriven and Double Blind Study. Uh, also uh, in here today, we've been calling you uh, ELH, which, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you guys came on here to tell us uh, some more about Star Trek Adventures. And I'm, I'm hoping that this will help get some more folks your way that want to look into the, the role-playing. So thank you guys for coming on today. Oh, well, thank you for having us. We hope that you subscribe to our Reddit Star Trek community and enjoy this podcast so that you can see all of the unique content we have to offer. As Q would say, see you out there.